Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for Stanford Sierra Youth and Families podcast, Resource Families Thrive. This is Daniel, your Resource Family Training Specialist, and we are here to talk about one of our programs for a second time. That program is Wonder. Um, so we'll talk to those people in just a few minutes. Uh, as per usual, I do always like to introduce anyone who is new to our podcast to who we are as an agency. Stanford Sierra Youth and Families is a merged organization with over 150 years combined of experience within the greater Sacramento region. We provide numerous supports, and that includes foster to adoption services, post-adoption, mental health, crime prevention and support, um, behavior supports, family advocacy, and more. All of those are dedicated to making sure that we are supporting our mission transforming lives by nurturing permanent connections and empowering families to solve challenges together so every child can thrive. Last I heard, we are currently serving 17 counties in the greater Sacramento region, and we are always continuing to grow in terms of our programs, in terms of the different populations that we serve. So please do always check back for more. As a quick reminder, also remember to like, comment, and share on all of our social media posts, especially those around the podcast. So that way we can make sure this information is getting out there. So January is our mentor month. Uh, someone jump in real quick and tell me, is it, is it National Mentor Month? National Mentoring Month. National Mentoring Month. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do have a couple of people here from our WONDER program. Uh, and I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourselves. Take it away. My name is Julie Gustafson. I am one of the Wonder Program Specialists. Um, so alongside my colleague, we help to recruit, train, and support all of the mentors and the children in our program. And I've been with Wonder for a total of a little, a little over six years. What I like most is it's just really fun to sit and watch the transformation of how people start out just getting to know each other, trying to learn each other's interests, um, just meeting each other and trying to develop that base for a mentoring relationship. And it's been so much fun to just watch that grow over time and to see the outcomes. I mean, we have kids who never thought about going to college who are now enrolled at Sac State um, and kids who really had low self-esteem sometimes when they started and learned what they were good at, had somebody support them in that and help develop those skills. Now they have an immense amount of confidence, sometimes too much, <laughs> but they believe in themselves. They believe that if they put their mind to something, they can do it, you know, that if there's something in the future that they want for themselves, they have somebody that they know is going to help guide them to get there and support them in doing it. And so along with all the really fun, cute little things that happen with matches as they go on their outings, I think the biggest is just watching the difference that it makes in our kids' lives. I mean, there's kids who have been sometimes in foster care for quite some time and moved around and they change social workers, therapists, um, but the one person who never changes is their mentor. And we've had them even say like, you're the person who's been in my life the longest. And that's just has power beyond words really for me. So I love the fun of the program, but the amount of difference in watching all of our matches grow um, on both the volunteer side and the kids side is just really fun. 
And my name is Shelby Boyer. I am also a Wonder Program Specialist. I have been with Stanford Sierra Youth and Families for the Wonder Program since April of 2020. Um, what I like the most is being part of the experience. I work with great people and we're out here making a difference and um, seeing these relationships blossom from start to whatever. I mean, seeing them come through as an application and then turn into a person and then turn into a match that turns into an experience that grows into something magical. I think that's just awesome. And my name is Tamara Saylor, and I am one of the Wonder Coaches, and I have been a coach with the agency for uh, going on my 16th year. When I have those aha moments with the guides, and I see somebody who was really timid in the beginning, didn't know if the child liked them, to a year later, um, confidently planning activities and coming up with solutions and talking to the caregiver if, if an issue happened before they have to call me. That is um, just beautiful for me and really the purpose. But um, I also really enjoy the kids and have a story recently where we were as coaches able to go on uh, one of the group outings. And sometimes it works out for us to, as coaches to go. And sometimes it's more about just the child and the, the guide. Um, but this was the ice skating outing. And I felt like a five-year-old out there just circling around. I hadn't been on skates in a while, but picked it right back up. I lived in an area where there was a lot of uh, lakes and frozen ice. And so I had ice skated a lot and it came right back to me and the kids would pass me and wave at me. And um, it, it just is so neat to see their faces and be able to be a part of that um, as well. So I love both ends of it, but obviously I'm more um, here really to help the guide have an experience to be the best mentor they can be. I know that there are a lot of different things that make various programs unique throughout our organization. And then even just across like all of the nonprofits that we have within this region, each place has its own unique thing. What makes Wonder so unique? Yeah, so I think it's a combination of some things. So the first is we um, were really the first mentoring program in Sacramento to serve specifically uh, children and youth in foster care. Uh, and we still remain one of the few programs. So all of the kids in our program are be between the ages of five to 15, and they have been touched by the child welfare system. So they're either in foster care or have been in foster care. Um, so that is part of what makes this unique, along with the fact that our focus is really just providing one caring, consistent person um, to be there and allow the child to just be themselves and have fun, go experience things for the first time, like going to a, a sit down restaurant or a big movie theater or an event in town, um, or even just having somebody that they can play a basketball game with one-on-one uh, -on -one who's there specifically just for them. And I would say another unique characteristic of our program that Tammy can speak to um, is that we do provide a coach uh, for every volunteer and mentor in our program. So everybody has a personal coach who's available to them uh, and offers and provides ongoing support throughout their journey. Could you actually tell us a little bit, uh, each of you tell us a little bit about your role? So I know there are coaches, there are mentors, we've got terminology like explorers. Um, so what, what are those different things that we might be hearing throughout this episode? 
I can speak to the coach piece um, that Julie was just talking about. Uh, my role is primarily um, coaching mentors and providing a resource for them to talk about um, both their wonder moments, we call them, which is exciting things that are happening and have somebody celebrate and have joy in that experience. But I'm also here uh, to help them uncover any solutions uh, to maybe some issues that they're dealing with in their match. I don't tell them what to do or how to solve it like any coach um, like a coach of a sports team, I would help them with the next play. What should we do next? What is what is another good move that we could try? Um, and the mentors often have the answer right inside themselves, and I just help draw that out. Yeah, and to speak to the terminology, so our um, coaches are actually employees um, with our agency. Uh, so you'll hear us refer to coaches like Tammy. Uh, and then our mentors, we call guides. Our kids in our program, we call explorers. And together, it's a one-year commitment that our volunteers make at a time, and we refer to that as a journey. Uh, and so alongside Tammy, uh, Shelby and I are program specialists, and our role really is to support our volunteers. So we do help with the recruitment, training, and ongoing support of the program. So that includes our volunteers and Shelby works really closely with processing the referrals of kids coming into the program. And then in addition to that, we help put on different events, trainings, forums, and socials for our volunteers and matches throughout the year. Shelby, who are the kids that are being referred to our program? So the kiddos that come into our program are, are from the welfare child welfare system. It has either touched their life in some sort of way, or they are currently still navigating the system in some sort of way. Um, they typically come from either um, resource families or social workers or um, typical referrals like that. And so when you say touched by child welfare, seen by child welfare, it doesn't mean that they have to have been in foster care. So what are the four domains that Wonder really looks at? I've heard that term, four domains. Uh, so when I have a conversation with a, a mentor every month and I find out how their match is going, this is primarily the area that I talk about because what we're looking for in the matches is not just are they having fun, which we hope they are. That is really important. But how are we seeing evidence that, that the child is developing in certain areas? And those four areas are... Um, self-worth, and we look at are there activities or conversations that have happened that show us that the child is developing self-worth. Um, the other area would be confidence. And again, we're looking at the, the same through conversations and outings. Has there been evidence that there is confidence built, whether they go ice skating and the guide can really see that they learned a new skill? It might be as simple as that or it might be as more complex as they were able to share with a guide that's something they were frustrated with. Um, and then uh, future hope, uh, areas that they want to um, develop and they're interested in. For our littler kids, future is more, what am I gonna do tomorrow? So those guys are looking at what is our next activity? Um, obviously our older youth, this is a very different way to look at it. It's going to be, um, what do they want to do after high school? What is the year from junior high to high school going to be like? Some of those transitions are, are going to come up under that. 
Um, and then sense of belonging. And that's our fourth area. And this is going to be more, um, are you seeing the connection? And I will specifically ask the guide, are they seeing the connection number one in the home? Um, do they seem to be bonded with the family? That is important for us to at least, you know, notice. Um, and often the child will talk about the relationships they have with the family. And then um, more importantly, is there a sense of belonging with the guide? Is the connection happening? This is probably one of the most important ones for me as a coach, just in terms of making sure that match is really um, solidified and there's connection happening. How long does the relationship between a, a match, an explorer and their guide actually last? I know you said one year commitment. Does that mean that at one year, it just like terms out and it's okay, see you later? What does that all look like? Yeah, so the commitment is one year at a time. Um, then at the end of that year, if the guide wants to continue, um, we will ask the child if they want to continue as well. And they always say yes. <laughs> um, and they can continue from year to year for up until they turn 18 and graduate high school. So actually over a third of our matches are teenagers. They started quite younger in the program uh, and they've been together from anywhere from one year up to seven, eight years. And how old does a child have to be in order to get started in the program? Uh, our age range is from five years old to 15 years old. I know that changed recently. So I was excited that that got broadened out a little bit. Yeah. So one thing we always like to hear about uh, within the podcast are, are our favorite stories. And to kind of illustrate um, what it is that a guide does with an explorer, could you each tell us your favorite story in your time working within this program? Yeah, I can start with a story. It's one of my favorites. And I was a brand new coach. It's back um Dating back to 2005, I had a new um, mentor in a match that was just starting. And um, this mentor had a child uh, that was 10 years old, and they were going on their first outing. They had just finished all four home visits, and they were able to go on an outing. And we had talked about um, how the outings for the guides and explorers are meant to be um, fun for both of them, but sometimes it's it's not. Sometimes one person prefers to do something and the other person does not uh, like to do the same activity. This first outing they had proved to be um, that point and put it to the test. The child wanted to go to Payless Shoe Source and try on heels. Now this guide was one that loved to be in sweatshirts and t-shirts and was not into heels. And she did have a job where she had to wear them. And I think just looked forward to when it was fun, just being in comfortable clothes. But the child was not going to leave until they did the little catwalk and did these shoes for an hour. So the guide put on these heels and for an hour walked up and down in the heels that she could barely walk in. And that was their very first outing. And they uh, were together for years years and years. And I just am convinced that that simple little act of the guide saying, this is important to you. I'm willing to do it. It's not my favorite. And I encourage the kids, try something your guide likes. It's important for them to learn that skill too. It's, you might be doing an activity that they think would be fun. So that was a really uh, neat moment. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll add, it's hard to choose just one story. <laughs> there have been so many over the years. Um, I know we had a, we frequent, frequently will get sibling sex um, referred to our program. And so um, a long time ago, one of the first sibling sets that we ever had in the program, actually, I think it was the first sibling set. Um, there was three and there were two uh, girls that were living in a home together and their brother was um, living in, in separate in a separate placement. And so oftentimes the only time they would see each other would be at our group outings that we would have. And to watch the connections between them and their guides was pretty amazing. So these kids actually ended up staying with their mentors for seven, eight years before they graduated the program. And um, they just became staples in their lives. And the mentors worked really hard to coordinate activities specifically with the siblings, which was neat. Um, but there's a lot of kind of first stories too. I know sometimes people wonder like, what if the kid doesn't like me? Um, and our coaches actually check in with the caregivers um, every month to see how the match is going. And it's not uncommon that there will be kids who are very shy and reserved in the beginning of a relationship and will warm up over time. So we've had it where the guide has picked up a child and they've been very quiet and reserved on the whole outing. And so they really didn't know, like, do they like me? Do they like what we're doing? <laughs> Are they digging these activities? And then they say goodbye, they drop the child off. And our coach will check in and find out that they get dressed, they get ready. They're so excited for their outings, like an hour before their guide even picks them up and they're like peeking out the window. And those are kind of some of my favorite stories because it's neat to see them start like that and blossom into what for some of our matches ends up being lifelong friends. And being newer to the agency, um, I don't have a vast variety of stories that I could speak to, um, but I can share a little bit about what I've experienced so far. And um, we really do pride ourselves on our matching process um, because people come from all walks of life in the program. And to be able to match these youth with people and for them to just hit it off, it's such a good feeling. And then um, another experience that I found joyful was we had a graduation ceremony for our kiddos that turned 18 or were graduating high school. And some of those matches had been together eight, nine years. And so they brought, um, they brought a slideshow and had all these pictures of these experiences that they had done together. And it was just so cool to watch that relationship blossom because even though um, they'll be graduating the Wonder program, they're still gonna have that lifelong friendship. You know, at the beginning of every episode, I share out our mission statement and it's all about creating permanent connections. It's all about creating relationships and another ongoing theme through the podcast, through different trainings and webinars that I've done, a lot of things tie back to the importance of a child having one caring adult, of knowing that they've got one caring adult. And I think the thing that has always really hit home for me with the Wonder Mentors is that unlike the other adults, they really are there to just have fun. They are there to provide experiences. Resource parents do that. Resource parents provide experiences. They have fun. There are also obligations that they have around documenting and reporting and things like that. 
And our social workers want to have fun. And that is very true. But we also have obligations that we have to meet. And so it really does sound like for, for our wonder guides, they have this amazing opportunity to create that connection just around the opportunity to share something new and a little bit different with no expectation around it is how it sounds to me. Yeah, sometimes our kids will actually ask their guides how much they get paid and how many other kids they mentor. And when they find out that they're there just because they want to be there and they're only there for that one child, um, it's typically a game changer. And I can speak to that too as a coach. Um, what's come up in a lot of conversations with guides is sometimes wondering if they are connecting with the child because there's not this deep level of sharing that's going on. They haven't talked about everything that's going on in their life. And one thing that I'm able to do with the guys is number one, remind them, they talk to people all the time. They have social workers. They have a lot of these kids have a lot of different people that are asking them these questions and they get to be the person that's not that, that is just, it's about fun. And yes, they do sometimes talk about the things that are bothering them, but I would say a majority of the time, the pressure is not on getting to the bottom of, of what the, what's in their head right at that moment. It's about letting them release some of those frustrations. And I'm helping guides see that that is connection. And that is very important connection. It's not always in the terms of a deep conversation as they might think. So it's helping reframe the guides and help them see that connection does happen in fun and play. I'll always tie one episode back to another, uh, another really important thing for people to realize is that play is where kids really start attachment. And so by given, be, being given the opportunity to play, to have fun is where a child can really start that foundation of building attachment to adults and knowing that they can trust them when they're around, that these people will be there when they're, when, when they need them. Um, and it starts with just having some fun. I've talked to wonder guides before. I've talked to the mentors before. Um, and I know that you might have a little bit deeper information on this, but they've mentioned to me in the past um, different opportunities that wonder provides uh, in order for the the coaches and the, or beg your pardon, the guides and the explorers to actually go to together. What are some of the activities that you actually make available to the, the guides and the explorers? Yeah, so we have a number of things that we provide. So for the matches themselves, uh, we provide group outings a couple times a year. So uh, that's a variety of activities from they just went ice skating, um, bowling, sometimes going to a park or a lake and playing games together. Um, it's sort of a, a wide variety. Sometimes it's sports related and sometimes it's just hanging out. Uh, and then for specifically for the guides, the mentors in our program, we offer uh, ongoing trainings every year. So based on what the need is at the, at the time or what's being requested and what's going to be most helpful to our mentors, uh, we provide forums and socials. So there are opportunities for guides to meet and get to know other guides, ask questions, share ideas, 
um, activity ideas, resources, whatever that might be. Um, and is there anything else that I'm missing? And we do once a year, we, we have Camp Wonder. So uh, that's the only overnight um, excursion that happens. And so that's paid for, provided by us, including transportation. And we go away to um, an overnight camp for the weekend and do activities like hiking, archery, songs, games, s'mores, dance parties, all the good stuff. And of course, I have to ask, you know, you talk, we're talking about outings and fun activities and things like that. And I'm sure that it's a little bit different now than it was, you know, where we were at a year ago. But how has mentoring looked in a time of COVID? Like, what have people been able to still do with their kids? It has changed a lot. Um, it's COVID has really impacted the, the mentoring field, I think. And it took us really when this, this all happened, it took conversations about um, connections and how can we connect in other ways. And we had some of our matches connect on Zoom. And that was very hard for our children that are doing distance learning. And then to try to go from that to going on a computer with their guide, that was very difficult for some. Some, it took the form of letter writing, write a letter, put an old-fashioned card in the mail. Um, some did FaceTime. I can be honest that I even have um, some guides now that are not yet comfortable transporting the child. That's real. It's still a real issue. And I have to respect that. And the family respects that. And so I have one mentor that will go when it's not raining and she will pick up the child and they will walk locally. They will find a venue that's nearby. They will go to a park, the same park, and they'll go to a dollar store. It's a pretty simple activity that they do, but uh, the family understands the concern and um, some of the risk that the guide has, has for contracting it and has respected that. So we've had to honor all our guides and not um, judge them based on the, the decisions that they've had to make and, and even scale back at times on these outings. Yeah, the guides have been pretty creative, actually, staying connected to their kids. So some of them have done like a virtual escape rooms together or they play <clears throat> games with each other online um, and stuff like that or virtual tours of museums. Uh, but they've been really great at just adapting to what does and doesn't work for their each individual kids. We're fortunate to offer both virtual and in-person opportunities. And it really is just a matter of what you're comfortable with and we're willing to support that. One of my guides um, had an activity at the child's house and the child wanted to see a movie and we were not yet um, cleared for our, our guides to take the, the children out. And she went out and bought a projector and played the movie right in the front yard of the child's home. And they could, at certain times, cars would go by and they'd have to turn it way up. It was a little tricky to try to do a little drive-in outside, but it's my favorite story because it was like thinking outside the box. They are not gonna let this get in the way of, of the connections that they have with these kids. So super fun what they've done. Yeah, another match purchased an inflatable bowling set and did bowling on the front lawn. <laughs> it's really cool. I don't get to hear those stories very often, so I appreciate that. Who 
who are the the mentors? Who are these guides? Like who who do we have now? And then who do we need? Yeah, so our guides are volunteers um, all over the age of 21 in order to volunteer with our program. That is the requirement. Uh, and they come from all different walks of life, um, all different ethnicities, backgrounds. Um, some are retired, some are working full time, some are parents, some are not. Um, but they really kind of come from all over Sacramento and Placer counties primarily, because um, that's where our kids are. But we have a pretty diverse group, uh, but we are always looking for um, twofold. So one is more African-American mentors in the program, because um, we do have kids in our program who are really looking to connect on that level and culturally, as well as we get requests for male mentors. And we don't have as many male mentors as we do female mentors in their programs. So we are actively looking for more um, males to volunteer as well. And Shelby, I know that you handle the incoming referrals. Uh, who are the kids that we have coming in right now? It's like some basic demographics on, on like running on averages, who the kids are that are currently seeking matches. We have experienced a lot of... Um either younger boys or teenage boys and um, they prefer to have that male mentor and so they are um, we're seeking male mentors for them because we have them ready to go and um, we just have um, at this time more young men than we do have females so we keep on hearing about like one year with a match, you know, there's, there's that commitment of one year. Um, but could you tell us a little bit more about like exactly what a guide is committing to for that year? Like how often do they have to see the child? How long, um, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So the commitment is for one year at a time. Uh, and then certainly if folks want to continue longer, we love that. We encourage that. We like hearing that. Um, so the time commitment per month, we ask that you have enough time to see the kid about two to three times a month. So it comes out to about eight to 10 hours, um, depending on how long your outings are. You might have a longer outing and then a shorter outing another time. Uh, and you can schedule those outings based on your schedule and the caregiver schedule. And people just work directly with one another to schedule those. Um, the first four visits, um, will actually be in the child's home. So just for them to be able to get comfortable somewhere where they're already familiar with and the coach will facilitate the first visit. Um, but about two to three times a month for at least a year is the commitment to volunteers get. And where are they allowed to go? Like there have to be some rules, some boundaries, but where, where can the guides actually take their explorers? Yeah, so there are some boundaries and some rules around that. So in your first year, um, you do have to stay within the county that they live in. So if the child's in Sacramento County, you stay in Sacramento County. If they're in Placer, you stay in Placer. Um, after a year, you can travel outside the county, um, just making sure that we have permission from the social worker if they have one, as well as the caregiver. Um, but anywhere in those. Luckily, we're, we're fortunate to be in counties that have a lot of things to do. <laughs> so, uh, and if ever people are short on ideas, the coaches are a great resource. We put out a newsletter every quarter with ideas. We provide, obviously, 
um, some activities as well that we pay for and put on for everybody. Um, but anything, usually sort of different areas people do things in, it's like arts, sports, nature, uh, they can volunteer, do some community service together. Um, dining out's always big, kids love food. <laughs> you might start out at McDonald's at first, but eventually uh, you could probably get them to try new foods uh, as you are together and you get comfortable with one another. So my final question for everyone for today, why should I become a wonder mentor? Great question. <laughs> yeah, so I think if you have the time to give, it is wholeheartedly one of the most worthwhile things you can possibly do. Um, and I think in addition to that, it's one of the most fun things to get to know a child and be there for them and be that person that they can talk to, who's gonna to listen to them and help kind of guide them through their future. And you have an opportunity to make such a difference in a kid's life by just being consistent and having fun. And I always say, who wouldn't want somebody to show up at their door, pick them up, take them out to do fun things and drop them off. I would love somebody to do that. <laughs> but the fun part is that you can be that for somebody and you can enjoy that. Um, you know, yourself at the same time. Like Julie said, definitely if you have the time to do it, um, it's a rewarding experience. I know personally uh, being a former foster youth and having an unofficial mentor that I still call to this day when the sky is falling, um, just to have that person to rely on is, it made a huge difference for me. And you could be making a huge difference for somebody else because that connection truly does make a difference. And I would add uh, what Julie and Shelby have said that, yes, it does make a difference in the child's life, but you will be surprised at the difference it makes in your own. And it gives you worth and, and value uh, just to do something for somebody else that responds so positively. And um, so in that sense, I, I would say to do it because you will have an incredible year and hopefully go beyond that year and just have a new relationship that brings you a lot of joy. Another reason as a coach, I would encourage people to be a mentor with our agency really is the coaching piece. I really believe that the coaching element brings a lot of safety to our program. Um, not all mentoring re relationships or agencies have this piece. And I think it's really important for a coach to be able to be there to um, help them navigate situations that may come up um, that might be out of their scope. And so if you wanted to be involved in something where you felt you had some accountability and somebody that was helping you with some of the questions that may arise, this would be the agency to pursue that. Thank you again, everyone, for being here. I really, really appreciate your time today teaching me more about, about the mentor program. I hope that other people have learned a lot about it too. Thank you. Until the next time. Thank you, Daniel, for bringing attention to the mentoring program. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. And as a reminder for everybody out there, uh, remember to like, comment, share on all of our social media posts. Um, you can check out our website for more information at ssyaf.org. Uh, if people are interested in mentoring, who would they call and what number would they use? Until we talk to you again, keep thriving.